It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at NFL on Twitter. And of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And holy lama Jesus, I'm delighted to be back. Um, look, I took another two-week hiatus. I've been pretty... Like, I used to be really, really regular with the podcast myself and Ryan. Um, but this off-season has been particularly brutal. And uh, we had some guests lined up. And as you can imagine, between scandal and the rest of it, uh, sometimes they don't show up. But anyway, I digress. Um, so you, would you believe, right, I actually had a podcast recorded and ready to go out the last two weeks. Um, so the first week, it was a real, I don't know, I recorded it and I was kind of happy with it. I tried to take an alternative view and look at something different um, and come up with stats and have a catchy, sexy title. And when I, I listened to it and I have to go back through it again and edit it and pull out bits and put in bits and all the rest. As usual. And I did all of that. And I was still like, it's not a bad one. I think people still want to hear, you know, the the research, some stuff that I put into it, some sort of quirky Sherlock Holmesy style ways to come with something. And then I said, well, I won't upload it now in the wee hours of the morning. I'll wait till tomorrow morning. So I waited. And then I listened back and I was like, nah, I'm not going to do it. Can't do it. Can't release it. Because I just couldn't face any comments of people coming back on, really? Because I guess the the worst thing that I could have done was is to release something where you go, yeah, I think that was the last one. I think that's the last one I'm going to tune into now. So I was like, no, no, I'll hold off. I'll hold off and I'll maybe record something tonight. So I didn't and I left it a week and I was like, okay, well, maybe I can recycle some of that stuff, put it into a new one. And then there was just nothing doing. Nothing doing. And then I was going to release that one and add in extra stuff. But look, I didn't want to insult you. Um, by releasing stuff, it would have been the off-season. Like, if you look at the stats across our Twitter, Instagram, uh, podcast, all the rest of it, obviously it takes... Well, the podcast hasn't really, to be fair. Um, but I guess I just didn't want to meddle uh, with that success. So I just decided, look, let's wait till training camp. Let's see what happens. And it's brilliant. Training camp is back. And I've been hoovering up. I don't know if anyone else is doing it, but I've been hoovering up the stuff. Now, we do have people famously, even uh, diehard fans, that what they'll do is they'll switch off in the off-season. They don't want to talk about Packers or Seed and they get back to being... Uh, diehard fans are after because there isn't a whole lot going on and then you get other people who just sort of you know want to keep living the dream like us um so little bit of uh, housekeeping before we get to all this training camp news and i've been taking notes and writing down my thoughts and and all the rest and all of your thoughts and what people have been saying to us um over this you know a couple of days really in training camp it's not even been a week yet um some of the notes some of the nonsense stories you know the tropes um some of the stuff that i think is interesting which I'll bring to you. Uh, but before that, we're starting to set up the meetups. So the ones that we have are our group trip to the Miami um, at Green Bay game. There's still bookings for that. And in fact, there's a person who's looking to share a room. So if you're out there and you are looking to go on the trip, still you came across a bit of money. Uh, maybe old distant Gram Gram or a cousin has left you a load of money because you've just been so awesome. Um, well then, by all means, do come along. So t- just contact Ben at Touchdown Trips. Um, we have the Pats game, so that's uh in Foxborough. That's another meetup, um, and then we have the LA game, uh, the LA Rams game. So they're all farting, they're all for farting. So um, if you want to go over to the states, uh, come over with us. But uh, week two Vikings game, that's in the Hippodrome in London. So that's our first meetup, and it's already penciled in. We're working on meetups for Scotland, 
Dublin, uh, potentially Manchester again with the Gridiron and Gravy guys. So there's an awful lot of cool, exciting, fun uh, stuff coming up there. We have a new item hitting the shop, uh, which is cool. We have the 1919 shop, loads of signed merch. You can jump in there and get stuff. We have Lynn Dickey signed jerseys, uh, Blake Martinez and Jake Ryan stuff. Uh, Bart Star, um, a pretty rare and expensive item. But again, if you look at air prices and then look at anywhere else on the internet, you're going to find them an awful lot cheaper with us. Uh, so I guess that's really the housekeeping. The podcast is going to be regular now. It's going to be at least once a week. Uh, we notch that up to twice a week then in the regular season. Uh, all the regular listeners know that. Any new listeners, how are you? Uh, get in contact at NFL at UK Packers. Uh, hit us up on Instagram as well. I've been dropping some bomb memes on there as well. Uh, the one about Jordy Nelson uh, really took off. Derek Carr came out during the week and said that he didn't know why the Packers would let Jordy Nelson go, that he looks really, really good and it causes an awful lot of us to weep. Um, and that's one of our most successful ne- memes on Instagram this week. Um, so how do you feel about it? I mean, are we used to the fact that Jordy Nelson isn't going to be there? I think it's one of those things where, um, you know, it's like any any important player that leaves and especially the break the records that Jordy did. I've got an awful lot of affection for him, so do other people. Like we were speaking to Aaron Nagler on the podcast and he was sort of scoffing I guess at you know people saying that to, to retire his jersey or to at least put his jersey up or his number up or whatever um which you know he has a point um and I don't know it means an awful lot to people and like there was a mixed response so I put out a meme on the Instagram uh, it's a screenshot of YouTube uh Jordan Nelson highlights and then a text from my dad saying you know why are you crying so loud so goddamn loud um so that went down really well, but I think it, it kind of struck a chord that everyone's still a little bit sad and it's going to be weird seeing Jordy Tog out. And in a way, like, I don't know, you want to see him do well uh, because of a lot of affection for him, but then if he does well, the same as Julius Peppers, well then an awful lot of that blame falls at the Packers' feet and people tend to look past the money obligations and all the rest. Now, again, I'll say it, and an awful lot of experts out there saw it coming. Um, I didn't particularly see it coming um, I think people set up him versus Randall Cobb but I'll get on to that now some of, the, some of the training camp news that Randall Cobb is looking pretty fresh but before we get there let's talk about uh, the man of the era Jerry Kramer uh, hitting the Hall of Fame on August 4th so it's about 4 or 5 days from now um, 11 nominations before he could get in he's the 12th Lombardi Packer to get into the Hall of Fame and he's going to Canton and it was a pleasure meeting Jerry over in Green Bay a fantastic dude we spoke to his daughter um, on the podcast before, but we sort of go back and forth with Alicia or Alicia, depending on how you want to pronounce it, uh, to what country you hail from. Um, so yeah, just a fantastic, uh, wonderful family, a great player. But like Jerry said himself, like no one has any idea what the hell a guard does. Like I'm going to paraphrase his quote, he's, and like especially in his era, but I mean, he says that there was no stats, no yardage, just victories and quiet contribution. Now, Jerry was pretty vocal uh, back in his day. He had an awful lot of sponsorship. He was very savvy um, for an offensive lineman. Um, it, it seems like it, it's the it's the thing now online. I don't know why people are doing it, that the minute you mention his block in the, in the ice bowl, um, you know, uh, on, what's his name? Jethro Pugh. Uh, people keep mentioning other players. Oh, they're just as important, but uh, give us a break. So Jerry's going in and it's going to great, it'd be great to see him in at a man at his advanced age. And uh, the fact that he's, you know, so vivacious, let's say, in this age, which is the only time anyone on a Packers podcast has used the word vivacious um, in everyday life either, is, you know, it's, it's a testament to the guy's strength and character. I mean, this guy had shards of wood 
uh, removed from his intestine and his stomach and the, he almost died quite frankly and he got an, an awful lot of his intestine taken out as a young whippersnapper and those shards as we spoke to uh, Brett Hensel of the Packers Hall of Fame he was saying that they're in there it's one of the weirdest items that they have which is great so that's brilliant uh, keep your eyes peeled for that August 4th Jerry Kramer going in but training camp is up and running and by god it's brilliant and the thing is is i don't know how to take it right i don't know it's it's like anything else you know that meme where it's the guy and he's looking back at the it's a stock photo he's looking back at this other girl and his girlfriend is looking shocked like that's the way it is with like i don't know maybe the girlfriend is like you know common sense and the girl walking by is just nonsensical training camp slash preseason games because i'm just super ex excited but i know it shouldn't be and there are times that i'm gonna go that's you know and even during the regular season even when something comes up you know we try to play devil's advocate and sort of go well how do we know like how can you say that um and all the rest but come on let's get excited right and it's like when the you know the season gets on and it's a uh, especially lately well not last season but before that like when it get to the wire of us getting to the playoffs and then in the playoffs obviously everything's you know a game of inches is that we like to just say, right, we're going to win the game. And even when it's stacked up against us, and like when we were, we, you know, we got clobbered by the Cowboys when it went over in the regular season with the, with the I keep saying the boys, but that's kind of like a phrase. And uh, I know Jill and Charlotte um, are diehard female fans, um, among many female fans. Uh, give me stick about it. It's just the boys. No, it's not. But we went over with the lads and ladies um, and we got waxed by the Cowboys, which wasn't a very good experience. And then we went to the playoffs and we clobbered them. So that's the thing is that just believe and just shut up and take your analyst hat off and just just be a fan. And I think that's what this training camp was all about. It's nice to see the little battles happening. And look, if we all know the real crux of it. I'm going to run through some of the news um, that I've hoovered up uh, from excellent writers, Aaron Nagler, uh, Michael Cohen, not the one who's in trouble with Donald Trump, uh, Rob Domofsky, and uh, of course, all of you Twitter experts. Um, and some actually do you know what like there's an awful lot of fans who went over for training camp and it's a massive deal even the bike ride now is huge um i, I see people complaining that it's it's too commercial it's too commercial um which yeah i mean th there was an awful lot of magic to it and you know they kind of slap a brand name on it and all the rest but then from a business point of view that's savvy and then with the popularity of it now is is crazy so you have to have some order and i can see sort of things from both ways i don't particularly care I, who cares kids get to be happy and players go and keep up the time-honored tradition from the lombardi era there's an awful lot of people at training camp now so we've seen so much footage online and everybody's take um but one thing that's changed this year well it does a lot has changed in the sense that mike mccarthy's um staff has changed which is odd, right? Because we have an awful lot of young wide receivers. Um, we saw articles coming out and uh, some some fans and some followers of us, um, you know, just super knowledgeable Packer people have said that we've really lacked that depth um, in wide receiver, which we do. Um, Andy Davies, uh, the, the fountain of knowledge here at UK Packers, doesn't believe in Geronimo Alice and he doesn't think he's a legitimate wide receiver three and he's looking at the likes of Jamon Moore, D'Angelo Yancey, um, and Equinemius St. Brown and all the guys that they've they've drafted this time around. Uh, you know, Trevor Davis, he's not overly high on him either. So, you know, they talk about the lack of depth at, at wide receiver. So I would think that, and, and again, look at their, um, you know, defensive back position. We've got old veterans coming in. We've got new guys there. We've got guys going into the sophomore year like Kevin King. So I would have thought that 
the old Mike McCarthy way of early mornings, late nights. And, you know, they even installed lights um, on the practice field for Mike McCarthy when he came in because he liked it to, you know, practice under lights to get that kind of late night game simulation to, you know, just to work the team and do something different and to keep the hours long. Where he's not doing that this time around, it's a regular season um, schedule. So it starts late, ends early. Which is weird because I don't know how they get that dynamic because there's been an awful lot played up in this training camp about Aaron Rodgers, um, which I don't see an awful lot of people talking about um, his health. I see an awful lot about his contract and his interceptions that he's throwing and all the rest, but not an awful lot about, look, oh, he's, that he's coming back from, you know, a pretty big injury that knocked him out for the season. So um, I think that that is a point that needs to be noted, but I don't think, in my mind anyway, I don't think there's any reason why you would limit a relatively inexperienced wide receiver group, especially in practice time, um, and a DB group. You know, to I don't know. I can see the logic to it that you want to keep that regular season to keep that rhythm maybe in place. Uh, you've all new coaches. Everyone's getting used to each other. Um, but it's very interesting to see the... So let's go back to the Aaron Rodgers interceptions and people saying, I don't know whether to be concerned about the A-Rod interceptions. Um, is it because the defense is so much better and that's a positive sign or what's going on here? Um, it's very difficult to look into too much. I, I guess from my point of view, anyway, I think you have to pick your perspectives in a way. I know that sounds stupid, but pick your battle sounds even worse. You know, it's like, right, Aaron Rodgers throws interceptions. On one hand, we have James Jones coming out in the media and saying that he never likes to throw interceptions like what quarterback does. Um, I'm talking about it now. So obviously Aaron Rodgers wouldn't like to throw them because he knows that the media are going to hype it up and think it's a bigger thing than it is. I don't think it is. Um, and an example that that I think is is that Kevin King, uh, he was targeted last year, and apparently the coaches said target Kevin King, Aaron, as much as he can. And Aaron came out and said that that that's what he did. And Kevin King was smoked um, a good few times, and it looked pretty poor on him. Now carrying an injury, shoulder injury, carried it from college. Apparently he's looking great in camp. Really, really good. Kevin King is, and he came out with a diving interception. Now. You know, do you look at the interception as like Aaron Rodgers? Yes, according to James Jones, played with him for many years, gets the scoop. Aaron says that he's going to give him the scoop about his contract. They're good buddies. You know, you trust that James Jones knows his stuff. He carried 50, caught 50, 50 plus uh, touchdown passes from A-Rod. So he says that he doesn't like to do it. But on the other hand, you know, you have the coaches saying to Aaron, who's nothing really to prove now. Look, just throw the ball up 50-50. We want to see what these young wide receivers are made of. We want to see that the DBs can test the ball at its peak. To, you know, we want to see that the wide receivers can test that ball also and don't just give it up because, you know, it's not thrown where they want it thrown. Um, and then we see Aaron Nagler come out and he's there. He sees it all. He's, he's you know, he's been doing this for forever. And he says that, look, the way Aaron Rodgers plays, obviously, in training camp has absolutely no correlation whatsoever to how he plays in the game. And of course... Right, so I don't think that's too much to look into. Um, but McCarthy seems to be limiting the practice time, and I would say most of that is to do with injuries. Now, uh, let's skip ahead. Aaron Jones injured with a hamstring. Mike Daniels apparently uh, got injured today, went back to the field and was laughing and joking in the locker room after, so he's fine. Uh, a more concern among Kentrell Bryce was carted off the field, uh, which isn't great, and he was holding his face, you know, whether in pain, whether in dismay, whether in... Who knows what, you know, just sheer crap luck uh, for him um, or bad knock. We'll have to wait and see what happens there. A really concern on Jake Ryan uh, went down screaming, apparently holding his right knee, smacking the ground. Um, so that's going to be a pretty concern. I want to see what happens there because 
you know, linebacker is not a position that we can afford to lose any people. And especially with someone like Jake Ryan, who seemed to come into his own at the end of last season, um, him and Blake Martinez, you know, seem to be the guys who are going to have to take that next step up. And the fact that we didn't um, draft well at that position, that's very concerning. Um, so I guess, you know, part of it is the fact that they... Um, probably looking to limit the injuries. And then Mike McCarthy kind of thrown in that, uh, you know, with this whole 100 season anniversary, that there's more for fan engagement and all the rest, which is which is kind of weird. I don't know how that uh, impacts us somehow. It obviously does. Um, but I guess an awful lot of pundits are putting this down to kind of the pressure on McCarthy. So McCarthy was given that extension to his contract, which people thought was, I don't know, I heard people say that it was kind of under the... It was un- not underhanded, but it was like, you know, hush-hush at the time. But I kind of get it, right? Because an awful lot of the, the main pundits in the media have come out over the last number of weeks and said that this is a make-or-break year for McCarthy. Now, I can see it on one side of things. He's changed his staff, so he would have another season of, well, you know, I changed the coordinator, got in the offensive coordinator, Joe Philbin's back. Um, we switched positions around. Uh, we had, you know, young players at db young players at wide receiver uh we were transitioning i can understand all of that thing um and how you would have an excuse for a down year um where some people see it the opposite way so you've got a new d coordinator you know you've got an offensive coordinator who aaron Rodgers had his best years under um so if you don't do well now well then out you go now i heard aaron nagler say uh, he came out and said that his opinion is is that if mike mccarthy was to win the super bowl he'd likely ride off into the sunset um, and if he doesn't make the playoffs, he's definitely gone. And if he makes the playoffs just barely and loses, well, then he's pretty much done as well. So, I mean, the bar, as always, is set high in Green Bay. But certainly for Mike McCarthy, seems to be that little bit higher. And it makes sense that he got an extension. Because the way I see it is, is that if you give him like a sort of a last year, he's obviously going to think short term. He's going to think, right, I need to throw it at this now. Because if I don't, not effectively be reckless because he's a highly experienced coach. Um, but, you know, he'd have to kind of probably do stuff that's pretty uncharacteristic. Whereas that extra year gives him maybe some breathing space, even though it's effectively the same thing, I think. You know, it's just that if he's in his final year, he might do stuff with the short term. Like, let's just try do as much as we can in a year. And I don't know, it just it would affect his decision making, I guess. Whereas now he seems to have an extra buffer year. And if he just takes it handy, puts in the regular season schedule, um, you know, it takes off that personal pressure of him by people looking at him constantly going, this is your final year, you know, this is it, right? Um, so that you have to do something really big here to get an extension. Um, that's an interesting one. So let's look at some players and how they're doing in training camp or what they're what they're deemed to be doing. Now, an awful lot of this reporting, um, so a lot of it, I wasn't there. So this comes from uh, what we're seeing come out in the media. Um, again, Aaron Nagler, Rob Domofsky, Michael Cohen has some great pieces as well. Um, and all of the, the bits and pieces from our friends that we see at training camp. Um, so wide receiver, Cobb and Adams looking sharp. Cobb, surgery about a month and a half ago. Uh, but, you know, there's all this talk of him, you know, the first play was a deep ball. And that's kind of an indication of where he's at. There's people saying, you know, that was done deliberately by Aaron Rodgers to kind of put that message out there that, look, Cobb is good and ready to go. Um Cobb came out, though, after the surgery and said that the throbbing pain that he had isn't... The pain that he has isn't throbbing anymore, which kind of tells me that he's still in some bit of discomfort. Now, whether that's just normal discomfort after surgery because he's back, you know, six to eight weeks, 
um, since he was walking around with that boot on. Um, and he says that it's a lot better, which doesn't say that it is better, which, again, like not reading too deeply and getting all Freudian on people here. Um, but it does seem that, you know, what's the concern here? And the fact that if he's our, you know, wide receiver number two, and he's saying phrases like, it doesn't hurt as much, it's a it's a lot better than what it was. You know, if you ask someone that I have a headache, how is it? They go, that's a, it's a bit better, yeah. You know, they're not saying, oh, it's grand. I took salpidine and I'm fine. Other painkiller uh, medication um, as addictive is also available. So, you know, the, the two of them are looking fairly sharp. We've seen uh, reports that Cobb is on uh, kick return duty as well. Um, Trevor Davis also being put on that too. So, God knows how they're going to use Cobb. Because the big thing really that's coming out and what's impressing, it seems to be everybody, fans and media personnel alike, is the emergence of Jimmy Graham. Now, I'm going to hold judgment on all of this. I've no doubt that Jimmy Graham um, is tried and tested. He's not another Bennett. Uh, Bennett had a track record of not getting along with team members being contrary, whereas Jimmy Graham is the consummate professional, doesn't do much media work, keeps himself, God knows we've tried, uh, to get him on. Um, But... From all the reports, he's seeing some pretty um, heavy workload. So Nagler seems to believe that he's going to be a massive part of the offense, which we all kind of assume, but he's sort of seen him, you know, in action, seen him basically unstoppable. Um, we've seen him go up against Quinton Rollins on a third and long. And according to Aaron Nagler, he says that this seems to be, and he would predict, um, is going to be a massive part of this offense that on third and long uh, look out for Jimmy Graham. And you see, the thing about Jimmy Graham is, as a weapon, uh, with the height he is, with the experience that he has, um, and the misuse, really, in Seattle, because it's it's just baffling now as to how they couldn't use him, especially for Russell Wilson, a diminutive QB, um, can lack accuracy at times. I think we saw that in that, uh, well, I guess we saw flukes in that NFC Championship game uh, way back yonder, is the fact that and oftentimes he'd be scrambling around the place. He's a notoriously crappy O-line and he just throw the ball up for grabs. And how you can't use Jimmy Graham, because that's ex- that it's that utility player that just slots in. So there's all this talk of him, you know, recapturing his New Orleans form. But I think we need to pump the brakes on that. Quinton Rollins, actually, while we mentioned him, is allegedly being played in camp so far as that sort of Morgan Burnett-style player who's now moved on to the Pittsburgh Steelers um, in that hybrid safety-slash-inside linebacker role. So although uh, Dom is gone, we still see that the Packers certainly do look for that versatile player and Quinton Rollins um, is in there. Um, I'm excited about the tight end group and because we have um, Mercedes Lewis in there, um, Lance Kendricks is still hanging about and Jimmy Graham. So, you know, these two tight end sets and I hate using that now because I think it's overused, um, but that's it's going to be just fascinating to see how it all plays out because Jimmy Graham... I'm going to pump the brakes on Jimmy Graham for now. Um, but if I the minute he catches a pass in game one, uh, I'm placing that order for the jersey. That's all I'm saying. Um, Equinemia, I think, Brown. Um, you know, all of these lads aren't really getting chances. Jamon Moore um, apparently has made nice some nice plays without pads. Um, and he's got some first-team reps. And Mike McCarthy came out and said that all reps are earned. So they must see something in Jamon Moore. Another guy that... Andy Davies pointed out as being a top guy. Uh, D'Angelo Yancey, who we saw last year, fifth round pick, I think. Um, he's been playing with the ones as well, and, and he's been doing pretty well, catching some passes. So it looks like they are bringing these young wide receivers in, but again, it all falls to 
how well Geronimo Allison plays. He is deemed wide receiver number three. And there's quotes in the media from Devontae Adams saying that Geronimo Allison, um, you know, because I've seen quotes from Geronimo Allison himself and he seems pretty humble. And he was soaking up all the info on some from some interviews I was watching during the week. Um, he just sort of solidified what Adams was saying in the sense that he takes his job seriously. He sees himself as lucky to be there. Um, and he really puts in the work in the film room. Whether it translates to the field, who knows? And, you know, we've got these young lads breathing down his neck um, as well. And some of these lads, like Equinemius St. Brown, I saw a play from just some a fan that was there. And he seemed to absolutely throw on the burners. He looks like an absolute beast. So that's wide receiver. So again, Aaron's back. The contract hasn't been signed. And do you know what I was surprised at? That people were saying... Is he going to hold out? No. I mean, he's got two years left on his contract. Um, He's not going to hold out. It shows that the, the talks are advanced. Um, No, no. I was going to say because Brian Gutekunst is coming out and saying that, but of course he would, right? Um, But again, Aaron Rodgers just kind of deflects and says, you know, don't worry about it. His agent is handling it. They're getting along fairly well. Uh, he's got two years left. And... I kind of don't get the fascination and I don't get why people don't understand. Um, and I don't like, I'm not saying like, Oh, I know better than everybody. I'm not saying that. I just, I just don't get the opinion. Um, and it, it seems to be widespread that Aaron Rodgers, because he's the best player um, should be paid the most. Now, I know that's going to sound counterintuitive. The best player should get paid the most, but that's just, that's companies. Like that's just how things work. So, you can't zap up all your salary cap by playing it all in Aaron Rodgers. So it makes sense to pay him earlier than later because we've seen the likes of all of these crazy contracts that are coming. That fully guaranteed thing just doesn't wear at me at all. I mean, why pay Kirk Cousins fully guaranteed money when he has, just from a personal standpoint, he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the red zone, which is going to bode well for us. Um, but it's fully guaranteed money. It's it's like, why would you pay someone in advance no matter how good they are and how f- bad you want them? That's just good agent work. Because if I was him, I'd be playing a bit more fast and loose beside the wet pool. Um, I'd be going out in thunderstorms. Uh, you know, I, I mean, you know, I'd be putting my feet more aggressively on the coffee table, you know, whatever. I, like if you get, unfortunately, something happens to you where you can't play and you fully guaranteed money, it doesn't make any business sense whatsoever. And Aaron Rodgers will be the top paid quarterback and top played payer. Did I say that right? Top paid player in the league when he is paid, but he will be out done. And that's just how it works. They paid ridiculous amounts of money for Paul Pogba and we all know the story so that's just how it works he's going to be overpaid and this kind of trying to index his salary to make sure that he remains the highest paid player i'm sorry but that's just not how business works you pay him the you know aaron's gonna do well he's on 22 million a year as it is um and i believe that he should be paid a player like people are going to take this as i don't think he's worth it he is yeah he is of course he is but people are going to just overtake him that's just how the business works he's a 10 uh top paid quarterback um, and he's earning 22 million a year and he's going to be top paid and that's going to carry on for a year two years and then someone will surpass all right um running back so jamal williams um looks to be taking an awful lot of carries um in training camp so far ty montgomery i see this that he's being used as like a two minute back or a, you know a, a no huddle back um i don't think this early that that's any indication of how they're going to use ty montgomery during the season ty is coming back from injuries as well um 
this is kind of like his second shot of becoming the full-time back. He, he got injured and he, you know, he talks about seeing that as a positive thing because other players stepped in and also that he sees his body as, you know, maybe they won't use him as much. He mentions this, you know, that he had more snaps than Ezekiel Elliott, who was the second most used running back um, early last year before he took up, I, I think he got a wrist injury, then rib injuries, then it came out that he broke a couple of ribs. Um, then Mike McCarthy's coming out saying that he's going to do running back by committee. And I don't know what's going on here. I don't know whether he's saying that because he wants to take the pressure off Ty Montgomery because maybe that was what was wrong is that Ty tried to do too much, that the team had to do too much with him last year because they sort of, you know, made him the bell cow back and said that this is going to be our guy and everyone else is chomping at the bit. Obviously, they didn't know what they had in Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. Now you can say, yes, they did, but then you don't know how people react in game time. So running back by committee only works when you have viable options they do in Jamal Williams certainly based on last year Aaron Jones is suspended um, for the first couple of games of the season because of a, a substance abuse policy so now he's injured now with a with a hamstring injury but from what we hear is that they're trying to use Aaron Jones as much as they can um, to try get him those reps before he goes out and they have to utilize Jamal Williams and Ty Montgomery and yeah, it's just it's gonna be interesting to see what they do with Randall Cobb here. Will they run him still out of the backfield? I mean, if they're using them on um, you know, kick returns, is the expectation is that they're still gonna use him as a utility player. Um and the minute you do that, then you get into that kind of um territory where the talk of, well, the more you use him like that, the more he comes into contact um as a running back instead of trying to make space and all the rest. Uh, and you talk about injuries, but then Cobb raised that exact fact. Uh, when there was talk about Martellus Bennett uh, playing the slot and in the middle, not effectively the slot, in the middle of the field. And, you know, what do you do with Cobb? And, you know, did they play him at that? And he said that he was willing and wanted to get as many um, snaps as he could, be it at any position. So And he didn't ever get injured uh, when he was playing, you know, kick returner. So that's interesting. So did they play more exotic plays with Cobb out of the backfield? This is something that we don't know really because Philbin's back. Uh, they have a fresh new approach in the building. They've effectively, from what they say, rewritten the playbook to a certain degree. Um, but this is the last year of Ty's rookie contract. So I guess he wants as much reps as he can. He wants to make himself indispensable. But he is super vulnerable now with the likes of Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams making a solid showing last year. So if they keep that up this year, I think he's vulnerable. Not unless... He becomes that super versatile player who becomes a receiver as well as a back. Um, but let's see. But I've got a I've got a bone to pick with Ty Montgomery because he arrived at training camp in a thing called a Polaris slingshot. No idea what it was. Um, so in prepping for the podcast, I just said, let me go and see this damn thing. And I went in and next thing you know, I'm seeing, can you import it to Ireland? How much is it? Um you know, do I start selling body parts to get one? It's classed as a motorbike. Then you get to wear a badass helmet. So that was an error of that time gone on YouTube videos about, um, you know, looking into the viability and what it's like in the miles per gallon. So thanks for that, Ty. But we can't look into training camp too much. And I think the, the tweet of sense that comes out was from um, Kevin King. So he comes out and he says that, you know, from one playing camp, people are looking um, into things. And, and uh, like I've heard people refer to Kevin King as like a you know future Hall of Famer I think we need to relax uh just slightly he picked off Aaron Rodgers uh, it said it was a diving interception and like I said at the top of the podcast 
you don't know what type of play that Aaron was doing. We've heard, again, James Jones saying that he doesn't like to throw interceptions. Then we've heard other people say they've watched him in training camp for many years now and he can just bang the ball up and just see what happens. And maybe that's what he's been told to do, Aaron. Um, so yeah, nice confidence booster for him. Jair Alexander came down uh, with an interception as well. Um, Tremont Williams apparently is playing very well. Uh, they've been playing him in the slot, which is weird. Um, but then they've been playing him outside as well with Jair Alexander and Josh Jones um, playing in kind of that slot uh, corner role. Um, Williams apparently has shown his his colours in the sense that he's, he's shown that sort of just absolute insane football IQ that he has now and that it you know, that he's he's anticipating the routes. He's breaking when he should. He's cutting back when he should. Uh, what he lacks in fa- physical speed, he makes up for in, in anticipation and awareness. Um, so Tremont Williams, I think, is going to be just absolutely invaluable in the locker room. And certainly he's bringing that experience to camp, you know, even after a couple of days. Um, Josh Jackson is an interesting one. So this is the guy that, you know, they're expecting to probably play straight off the bat. They're certainly going to rotate him in and out. Jair Alexander is the same. He looks like a nice guy. Hopefully, we're going to have him on the podcast soon. Um, but Josh Jackson, according to Aaron Nagler's um, analysis, is very handsy. So he's been putting his hands all over people. Now, from what we hear, Mike Petten likes you to play aggressively, get up on people's faces. Um, and apparently, the defense is an awful lot more vocal this year. So they're they're being, not leery, but they're being loud. Um, they're standing up for themselves, standing up for each other. They're calling out plays. Um, and holding everybody accountable, which apparently Mike Petten likes that. If you look at any of the sort of behind-the-scenes stuff um, in his previous jobs, that's what he wants. He wants that leadership. And Mike McCarthy, in another sort of change from the norm, got the defensive coordinator, Mike Petten, to speak to the entire team. And Aaron Rodgers came out in a quote, I think, from Rob Domofsky, um and all the press corps had said that it was an all-timer, you know, that the, the speech really got everybody fired up. So Josh Jackson um, apparently is getting pretty handsy, and there was a bit of a scuffle when the pads came on at camp that he went up against Jimmy Graham. You know, he was, he was pulling jerseys, he was putting hands in face masks, apparently, um, getting pretty physical, breaking up tackles, which is great. You like to see the, again, I'll use it, vivaciousness of a player to do that, but uh, Jimmy Graham he's seen it all done it all and he's turning to the the refs and the officials and saying look bro do you not see what he's doing he's trying to get away with it and apparently josh jackson was just you know repeatedly telling him to shut up to his face and the two of them not had a bit of handbag action but i mean there were you know there were um there was arms outstretched and they were, they were pushing each other um or just pushing them out of the way at least and jimmy graham handled it pretty well at the end and just said you know we're all a family and this is what we do and we leave it at the door and all the rest but I think Josh Jackson, yeah, I know you want to prove yourself. Uh, you're a bit uh, young, naive for that kind of behavior. I think if you go up against Jimmy Graham, A, he'll probably uh, beat you on the play anyway. And second off, I don't think you want to get into a scuffle with a guy that big and that experienced, uh, that invaluable to this Packers team if he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Um, but I think it's indicative of the way that Mike Petten's defense is going to work. So Dom Capers, you know, never raised his voice. He was a quiet kind of guy he let his experience speak for itself whereas Mike Petten you know shaved head badass attitude and he likes his defense to bring it um so I, I think that's kind of indicative of what we're going to see from the Packers now a more nastier defense which is what Mike Daniels has been asking for um for a long time um so that that's good the the and again it's something to note is is that um I, I think this was pads off practice they had three two-minute drills 
and the defense got two stops um, in that and the only one who actually I think uh, threw the score was Deshaun Kaiser um, so that was that's pretty fascinating um, Packers mysteries Michael Clark retires um, he was listed both as a tight end and a wide receiver depending on who you look at massively tall dude um, got some snaps and some some catches at the end of the season last year um, but he's just decided to retire now he's not going into why um, people again bantied around you know concussions and all this kind of stuff um, there's no proof for any of that and they tried to get in contact with his reps and his reps didn't say anything just to say that he is well but he's just decided that he's not going to play um, football anymore uh, Cole Madison rookie fifth rounder um, he hasn't turned up for training camp and again Mike McCarthy didn't place it as it's a personal reason leave him alone now people jumped to conclusions with haha Clinton Dix and it turned out that there was a bereavement um, in his family or extended family uh, which he seemed to take some of that on himself and um, that he's, he's I think it was his auntie um, or his godmother I believe actually who went to his graduation ceremony she was super excited for him um, and the excitement seemed to um, take its toll on her um, and she passed away and an awful lot of people then came out and said you think he'd show up is he holding out he doesn't deserve to hold out he had a bad year last year and then it turned out with that sort of bereavement so that was odd so I don't think we can jump to conclusions but certainly it is a bit telling that the way Mark McCarthy put it was is that it was a personal issue and that out of respect for Cole that he wasn't going to say any more and that it took him by surprise um, and I don't think he'd sort of allude to a bereavement to say well it took me by surprise to be honest I mean all bereavements effectively do um, so yeah God knows what's going on there but uh, it's a weird time because people are making a bigger issue um, than it is so look he's a fifth round pick yeah he didn't show up we've had fifth round picks who've showed up and still become anonymous so i don't think we should look too much um into that to be honest um do you know where it's really at though special teams special teams where it's at um we've seen uh jk scott the the punter who has this like he keeps one leg on the ground and, and punts really high the other one he's a big tall dude um, according to Michael Cohn, we've seen uh, an average punt unofficially of 46.6 um, in training camp with a pretty long hang time. He says that it's pretty impressive. Um, and then with the long snapper, uh, Hunter Bradley was drafted in the seventh round, but they've also brought in a guy called Zach Triner, or Triner, um, depending on how he wants his name pronounced. And whichever way I pick is going to be the wrong one. Um, they've brought him in and they've sort of swapped um, long snapping in training camp. So we've seen some sort of turmoil before when it came to uh punting and kicking with them changing long snappers um and and punters and and all the rest so it'll be interesting to see then how that all pans out it officially properly went belly up last year when um mason crosby scuffed an awful lot of kicks that family night and he seemed to be pretty all right so we'll see how it goes this time around um so the Kaiser Hundley battle seems to be to be heating up a little bit, and I think that if Kaiser was to look pretty sharp, which apparently he's doing his best too, um, of course Hundley is in some serious hot water because they've invested so much time in Hundley, and if someone can come in behind him, then, and even if he put up a you know a performance that was on par with Hundley, um, it'd be, I don't know, did they hold on to Hundley then at that stage, or did they say let's ch- take our chances with Kaiser, who they seem to have been. Um, high on in the draft and there was talk of him potentially even going for him um, let's see good news Brian Balaga is looking to make it back for week one um, apparently he tried to make it back for the start of training camp 
but the medical staff are being overcautious and they're telling them to sit out. So that's absolutely great news. And it kind of answers, I guess, uh, why Brian Gutekunst didn't uh, move on and cut him, especially when we've seen the likes of Jordy Nelson um, leave when they talk about Brian Balag and the size of his contract and his, and his injury history as well. So it's his second ACL tear, but on the, on the second leg. And I heard an expert before talking about the Olympics and they were saying that, you know, you don't need to be taking all the drugs uh, to get that competitive advantage. Because if you just suffer a normal athletic injury, which an awful lot of people do, and you get your hip replaced um, as a young athlete, well, then most of the time that hip ends up in better nick than the one that um, you were you were born with. So, you know, you tear your ACL, they repair it and they monitor it and they make it look good. And you tear another ACL on the other leg and they do the same. You know, arguably, do you come back stronger? Um, we've seen some people coming back with ACLs not fully healed, or they are healed, but they're still not they're not the same player. So we'll hold our breath then and see if Brian Balaga comes back to keep up that level of play, um, because he is undoubtedly um, a fantastic piece of that offensive line. Nick Perry, out. Looking to see if he comes back in week one. The two of those guys are the people who have been put on the pup. Um, so we'll see. Nick Perry, odd one. Uh, we've seen sort of conflicting reports on what the actual injury was to begin with and what it is now um a guy who sort of struggled to stay healthy and got paid big money after that absolutely fantastic year um but as we understand it the packers can um cut their losses after this year and not get hit with that massive contract so it is effectively a contract year for nick perry so an awful lot happening in training camp and there's an awful lot more to get into um, but I reckon we will park it there for this week. It's been fantastic to be back with some actual proper um, Packers news. So again, stuff to look out for. Uh, Jerry Kramer uh, going into the Hall of Fame is just absolutely great news um, and all the rest that's coming from training camp and uh, stay tuned here next week and I'll bring you with all the news and hopefully now that Ryan is finished undoubtedly uh, making excuses because he's watching Love Island, which is over now. Uh, he'll be back on the podcast sometime soon. But uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram, at UK Packers. Get onto the Facebook group, at UK Packers. There's a private group there for all of your banterific needs. And also, the group trip over to watch Green Bay take on Miami. There's still spots open, and it's our cheapest ever this year. And you can go over and see the Packers in LA for only £950 based on two people sharing, which again is just absolutely mind-blowing of a fantastic deal. We've signed March in the 1919 shop. Make sure you go in, keep your eyes peeled on the shop also. You can pick up t-shirts and the official UK Packers jersey and make sure you sign up for an official UK Packers membership number um, to get all of the correspondence and also all of our meetups that are coming up um, in this coming season. The one that's up there now at the minute is the game to see Green Bay and Minnesota in week two at the Hippodrome in London. But from myself... At Steedy NFL, as usual, I'll talk to you next week.